Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 183. Once again, you've got Chris and Brian. And this time around, we're going to talk about things that can that will legitimately make your shooting performance better. Uh, if you know us, we're, we're pretty basic when it comes to setting up guns and things. Yep. Uh, we don't do a lot of gigas and widgets and what's-its. Uh, but once you have your kind of baseline performance, baseline hard skills, and techniques and stuff down. Uh, here's some things that will, you know, we've put on a timer, um, you know, looked at targets after we shot them. Uh, we'll definitely, you know, improve performance, um, give you some added confidence, and kind of, you know, I don't want to say take things to the next level, but make it a little bit easier um, to do what you want to do, provided the fundamental skills are there in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, lead off with rifles. Yeah. Cool deal. Um, guys, as a general rule of thumb, you know, we've, we're all, you know, I, I don't, I don't care how you kit your gun up. I don't care if you're running nods and you want to put a peck on your stuff or a B Myers mall or stuff like that. Um, you know, there's, there's, and there's a bunch of little things you can do to your gun that are, you know, things that might make minor changes or might make, uh, make it look cooler or whatever the case may be stuff. You just want on it. Cause there's some performance thing there that you can articulate. That's all cool. We're, we're baseline guys that you, you should have on, on a modern fighting optic you should have uh, you should have an optic, you should have a sling, you should have a light. Um, those are the three things that I think kind of are musts if it's a defensive tool. Um, but there are some things that when you start running the gun and training with the gun, it's not that that's not enough. That's a great baseline, but you can go beyond that um, and, and and improve some things if you're chasing nth degree kind of things, or if you train a lot, comfort kind of things, and things that give you that little bit of edge. Uh, we had a conversation in here locally um, with a gentleman who's a law enforcement guy locally, uh, does some tactical stuff, also has a training company, does some training stuff, and has gotten into USPSA competition. And we had a conversation around um, around comps and muzzle brakes and things of that nature um, on pistols. And, and you start talking about at a, at a certain place, almost anything can be deemed appropriate, useful, or helpful, just depending on what you're doing with that tool. Um, and the conversation around, you know, cops came up and, and I think that's kind of one of those things where we start talking about some of this stuff. There's an nth degree of, of your getting out of each tool that you put on it. And you have to decide for yourself if, if that's worth it or not for you. So I'm going to start off with that as a baseline for the idea of about scalability and what, you know, what's it actually doing for you. Um, if you're running a race gun in nine by 23 Dillon. Are we talking about rifles or pistols? Well, I'm so, as as a, as an analogy, I'm, I'm going to use the pistol as an I'm going to use the pistol analogy. Okay. If, uh, j- yeah, to, to we'll come back to the rifles real quick. Sorry, thank you for clarifying that. Um, if you're running a race pistol in nine by twenty three Dillon with a great big comp on the front end of it, that 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 cartridge is generating so much gas pressure and it's pushing so much gas pressure at the muzzle that your comp's actually going to do something to control the gun. Um, if you're running a nine millimeter in, in, in standard configuration and you're putting a comp on the gun or porting the gun, stuff like that, I'm not saying that it's not making a difference to the gun, uh, for sure. What I'm saying is that is, is the difference enough, um, it to, is the difference enough to outweigh some of the pros and cons or some of the cons that go along with it. The pro obviously being recoil, the muscle staying flatter, etc. Um, no argument that there's physics at play there. Um, the, the flip side of that argument is, are you getting enough out of it to alleviate some of the issues like skinning pieces of copper off the projectile and potentially fragging yourself with those pieces of copper if it's ported, um, if it's comped and comped appropriately, 
Um, you know, can, does the comp come loose? How's it mounted to the gun? What's the system look like as far as durability? From a training perspective, it's annoying to have your comp come loose, shut the gun down, or do weird things. It could be dangerous. Um, most of the time when a muzzle device or a comp gets weird, to the point that the person's not paying attention, it just gets shot off the gun and gets destroyed. Yeah, or you've unglocked your Glock. Oh, exactly, and that's and we've seen that, right? I mean, for time immemorial, yeah, and we've seen that for time immemorial is you know the guy out there with with whatever G Gall widget attachment to the gun, and all of a sudden the gun's not working because something's different or it's loose or whatever. Uh, I, I'm not anti any of those things. I think you want to look for that good system that's not going to fail you, and then I want you to understand what limitations or what changes it puts on how you use that gun. Um, you know, if you start doing ported guns and it's blowing shit up in your face when you're shooting from retention on a defensive tool, um, that's a real conversation. Uh, with a comp gun, it's probably not blowing shit up in your face, pieces of copper and stuff like that. It may still be blowing, you know, flame. Uh, unburnt powder, burnt powder, whatever, and smoke and stuff. Big fireballs. Big fireballs up in your face. And and if you're cool with that, that's fine. Um, you know, if you're doing it for the gram and it's on a toy, that's fine too. But if you're, you know, if you're carrying it every day and you're staking your life on it, it's that, it just, you know, are you getting enough out of the squeeze? Is there enough juice coming out of that squeeze to be worth it? So when we go back to talking about what we're doing to the gun, um, we step back into rifles. Um, you know, chasing that nth degree is fine as long as whatever that tool is actually works and isn't going to create problems that you have to solve down the road or create distractions that might get you killed in the streets. That'd be bad. bad. Okay, cool. Number 10, very bad. Number 10, very bad. So, um, so triggers. Um, yeah. There are some aftermarket triggers that I would tell you to run like hell from. And there are some brand names of aftermarket triggers that are freaking outstanding in a Remington 700. Um, they're outstanding in a CZ Scorpion, but when you start putting them in hard use guns like ARs that have a lot of crap blow back into that system, things change a little bit. So, you know, aftermarket triggers, uh, Geisley, no brainer. Yeah. Especially the SSA in yeah. a working gun. Yeah. In a working gun. And, and I would even say, um, you know, if you wanted to go, what's the one with the straight trigger, but still is the still the same pull weight. Super weight-y. dynamic combat SDC. Yeah, C, I think. Yeah, something something yeah. super wild. G-Gall widget dynamic it's, fast. It's just an extreme. SSA with a flat face on it. It's extreme um, or something. Anyway, um, but you know so, something like that. It, it it makes a legitimate difference. Going to the two stage gives you the capability to still slap through stuff up up close fast, but it also gives you the ability to set up on that first stage through it and then hit the second stage and really precisely place a critical shot. Um, and at no loss of reliability, uh, they got, you know, we've heard reports back and you can look at some of the data out there around the SSA, um, the guys running the SSA, the G, the full auto trigger, um, in Mark 18s and stuff like that. Mark 18s are notorious for breaking shit because it's a pretty overgas gun. Um, and those guns, uh, break mil spec triggers is my understanding on the regular. And that's a failure point are the pins, the Geisley stuff, the pins are better material, they're better hardened, and the trigger itself is just more durable, so you're less likely to see issues. That's a win all around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're not willing to dump 240 bucks into every, you know, into all your guns, still taking a look at something like the Bravo Company PNT or Geisley's sister company ALG, um, they do a couple different triggers. The ACT trigger seems to be a great choice as long as you are cognizant of the fact that it comes with two springs. The purple spring is for um, commercial, um, not military, ammo. 223 ammo, essentially. It has a little bit lighter spring in it that you can run with, with non-military ammo. If you're going to run military ammo to train with or higher quality ammo for defensive use, 
going with that little bit heavier spring is going to make the pull weight just a skosh higher. Um, still well within mil spec, probably on the low end of mil spec, yeah. um, but but reliable with military primers. So the PNTs from Bravo, the ACTs from Geisley, and I, I'm sure there's other brands out there that you know make some exceptional triggers. Uh, there's a dude in Texas freaking rocking it right now. But since he's kind of our competition, I won't actually say Mark LaRue's name. Um, but, you know, they, they make a good one, too. Um, sorry, got to throw a nod yeah. out there. Where it's good yeah. stuff. So um, anything uh, triggers? Yeah, the thing with triggers, I know there's a lot of pushback, especially on the LE side from, well, if the trigger's too light, people are going to negligently discharge the gun because trigger's too light. They're not going to ND because the trigger's too light. They're going to ND because their gun handling sucks. Exactly. Um, yeah. If anything, having yes. a better trigger um, gives people the ability to more precisely um, shoot the gun. Yep. There's a better chance they're going to pull the trigger straight to the rear at speed when they need to. Yep. And rounds are going to go where they need to. Um, you know, if you're worried about the trigger being too light and you know negligent discharges happening, uh, that's a training problem yep. um, surrounding you know where the trigger is placed where the finger is placed on the gun when the gun's not being shot and then yep. being able to manipulate the safety selector properly on the weapon. Yeah. And, and, and properly, um, meaning coming back onto safe when the threat's no longer a threat, things change. Right. Or so if you're not, if you're not on sites, yeah. then the gun's on safe. Exactly. And so that kind of conversation, um, software, not hardware, that's a software issue. So for sure, uh, sites, Sure. Okay, so uh, we're going to jump into sights, optics, etc. Obviously, I started off by saying that you know we would like to think rifles should all have an optic on them. Um, e- even even Uncle Sugar in his infinite wisdom, after thirty years, is finally putting optics on pretty much every issued rifle uh, to anybody in a true combat arms position. So there's a reality check around the the sights are, are a force multiplier. They give you skills. If it's an optic that gives you magnification, it lets you give you better PID, lets you see what's going on, maybe find the bad guy. Um, a little bit more easily um, if he's hidden, he or, she, he or she's hidden. Um, the dot optic gives you the ability to remain target focused and paint the target with a dot and press the shot off. Uh, good trigger helps that. Um, but anyway, you know, so that kind of mentality. Um, the, I, I guess the reason why I throw sights back into this or optics back into this is because we've got a modern revolution of way better quality optics um, than maybe what you were running 20 years ago. Even um, 10 years ago. Even 10 years ago. And and if you are if you have a love affair with the aesthetic of an EOTech on your gun, um, and you have an EOTech that was manufactured in 1990-something, um, that's cool. Put it on your wall hanger gun. Put it on your safe queen gun. Put it on your uh, G-Watt replica, you know, your GoFast G-Watt replica or whatever. That's cool. No big deal. But, you know, if you love the EOTech, go buy a modern EOTech that actually has some battery life. Um, is a little more waterproof, is running on a battery that's not going to go dead while it's in it waiting, um, or doesn't bleed battery while it's in your case not being used or in your safe not being used, um, you know, pick up something like that that's going to do you a little bit better, a little more solid, a little more waterproof, a little more livable with um, than, than the older version, which was fine 20 years ago. It was a great optic 20-some years ago. Um, get, get a new one. You know, also look around at some of the newer optics, too. The way that the EOTech generates a reticle was way better than some of the dot options out there if you had astigmatism, etc. And it still is better than some of those options, but there are better options beyond that, like Holosun. If you love that circle dot reticle, um, Holosun does a lot of their optics with circle dot reticles. 
um, the way they project them. Uh, they're, they're significantly more clear than what was available even five years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, so take a look at some of those options as well. If you love the reticle system, but you want more durability as well, uh, the Trichicon MRO is available as an HD option with an etched reticle that's ridiculously clean and clear. Um, again, these are all things that fight astigmatism, uh, especially as some of us get older or if you just were lucky enough to be born with, you know, shitty eyes. Um, take advantage of some of those options. There are definitely some new stuff out there. Same thing goes for LPVOs. Uh, a lot of this was pushing, you know, 10, 15 years ago was all about the dot optic or all about an ACOG. The new LPVOs are brilliant, so there's some neat options there too. A little more modern, give you a little more ability to do different things, a little more magnification, but you can still run them like a red dot if it's a good one. Yeah, the new the newer LPVOs have really, really good 1X performance. Yep. Um, you know, we're, we're still very much in love with our Trigicon Credos, um, which are 1 to 8s. Yep. Um, really good 1X. Um, very forgiving iBox with a 34mm tube. Uh, and then having the first focal plane reticle when you do need to, to zoom up yeah. um, for a farther away target. Uh, having the accurate holdovers and things based on the reticle yeah. uh, makes connecting those shots a lot easier. Yeah, and having 6, 8, or 10x, again, um, you know, a lot of law enforcement agencies, are, again, are holding guys back on doing LPVOs um, because there's, there's a user interface conversation around learning how to use the device, not walking around with it on 10x or 8x trying to find a target up close fast. Again, training issues around some of that. Um, if you're an LEO and you've got six power on your optic and you're the first guy to roll up to a scene, you may be able to gather intel that somebody else can't because you can see better. Um, you know, those things may make the difference between something happening bad and something happening good. Um, you know, so it, it just, it's, it is, it is a good tool for the job for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, um, slings, is that enough for optics? Sure. Anything? Yeah, that's good for optics. Okay, cool. Um, slings. Uh, if you are walking around with your nylon parade strap um, on your, your your tactical rifle or your defensive tool. Your canvas parade strap. Yeah, you, whatever it is. Um, and I'm not going to dog on something like an old school, like there is such a thing as I think it's like a 1913 um, model of leather sling for the, more for the precision rifles, etc. stuff like that. Some of those slings are still used like in service rifle. Um, that, that's an application of a tool for a specific job. Uh, but, you know, having a sling that's comfortable on your gun right now that positions the gun properly on your body so that you can use it, and perhaps in multiple different ways, not just one way. Um, if your sling is designed to hold your M16A1 muzzle up on, over your right shoulder with your thumb hooked underneath it as you march around the parade field, it might be time to upgrade. Um, upgrades can look like Magpul MS4s. They can look like the Blue Force Gear uh, VTAC slings. Vickers sling. Vickers slings, I did. Okay, yep. I get those all confused. Uh, the Blue Force Gear Vickers sling um, is a quick adjust uh, sling that is a two point. Um, I, I'm, I'm not anti single points. I just think it's a very limited window of where you need them. But a lot of the a lot of those slings are also adjustable to be run as a single point if there's an application for it, uh, for sure. Um, so it's just a matter of figuring out some of those things, but that, that, that single strap webbing sling, um, when you turn it into a padded sling becomes a lot more comfortable. Um, and again, you know, if you're in a position where maybe you're running around in your normal world with body armor on, cause you're law enforcement or your military or something like that. And you say, why do I need a padded sling? I'm already wearing all this armor. Um, sometimes you may train without all that stuff on. That does happen occasionally, and having that comfort level of the padded sling is just nice to have, and it doesn't hurt you when you don't need it. 
Um, but if you decide to go out and run drills without being all jocked up, that may be a thing too. Um, it just, it, it's, it's nice to have. Yeah. It's nice to have. So cool. Uh, anything else with slings? Yeah. And your rifle needs one. Yeah. Period. Uh, a rifle without a sling is not fun at all. Nope. No, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, carrying it around and trying to do stuff with you with something else in your other hand. And again, you can train to that. Um, you know, it just, you're handicapping yourself unnecessarily in my opinion. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to throw out there for rifles? I, I, other than I'm going to throw modern ammo, uh, yeah. uh, upgrade your ammo. Um, there's a lot of really good ammo out there. Um, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying like the, the like G whiz kind of, wow, this bullet, you know, turns left at broad street and chases whatever bad guys down and stuff like that. I'm just talking about buying good quality ammo from a good manufacturer. Um, I don't care if that's IWI razor core on the cheap. I don't care if it's black Hills, not on the cheap. I don't care if it's uh, gold dot or or you know the gmx bullets I, I don't care just make sure you're running good ammo in that gun that's appropriate to the gun there's some stuff out there generally that works better in short barrels if you're running a short barrel um, there's some ammo out there that has limited penetration if you're concerned about over penetration and things of that nature be aware of where it works and where it doesn't um, there's still no magic bullet even for an ar but it's a lot nicer when that when the one in your gun's going 27 2800 foot per second rather than yep. a pistol round so yep, yep. Um, so with that pistols, yeah, pistols. Um, uh, so when we talk pistols, we're talking primarily concealed carry pistols yep. or duty size pistols. Um, uh, if you're doing, you know, race gun stuff, this conversation probably doesn't apply as much to you. True. Um, and honestly, we expect you to already have all the things we're going to talk about. Yeah. If you're doing race gun <laughs> stuff and you don't have this, you're probably way behind the curve. So that's, and that's yeah. on you, um, for sure. Um, but for concealed carry, um, you know, the world changed. Um, again, um, optics on rifles are, are pretty much mandatory. I'm not going to say optics on pistols are mandatory, but I think they're right next to it. Yeah. And if, if not, if they're not mandatory, they're right next to it. Um, if you are a young dude with great eyesight and you shoot like a god, um, it will help you shoot more precisely and faster at intermediate to distance. Um, it may not do a whole lot for you up close, which is fine. But there will be places where it will help you. And, out again, out in the streets... It allows you to remain target focused. It allows you to remain threat focused. Um, you know, not necessarily front sight focused, uh, which yeah. is a wonderful and thing. I would. I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there. I think running a dot on a pistol as a new shooter um, cuts the amount of ammo you need to shoot by probably three quarters to get to the same level of proficiency as shooting iron sights. Absolutely. Uh, close. Absolutely. Distance, like, doesn't matter. Well, and the understanding of it, it, it is, it is. While it may be a more mechanically complex system than iron sights, um, from a use perspective, it is vastly easier to say, put the dot where you want the bullet to go and squeeze the trigger. Um, if you're teaching a new shooter and you're doing the whole, well, you got to earn your straps with your irons first, stop. St for the love of all that's holy, freaking stop. Um, teach somebody, teach new shooters how to run the dot. They'll learn how to hold on to the gun properly and then squeeze the trigger and make the bullet go where they want it to go. But if you start, but you know, if they've got to learn how to line the sights up and complicate the system immeasurably, um, your, your hand, again, teach them how to control the gun properly, control the trigger, etc. Then go back and teach them what the sights look like, what sight picture, sight alignment, etc. all look like. It'll be a hell of a lot easier for them. Teach it backward. Yeah. Which is actually the correct way now. Uh, anything to add to that? Um, we really like our dots. Yeah. Uh, be that the, Trigicon, um, RMR or SRO. Yep. Or the um, CCs, RMR, CC, yeah. whatever. 
And then on the Holosun side, the 507C yep. for double stack guns or the 507K for single stack-ish. Yeah. Um, the little guns, uh, great optics on any of those choices. Yeah, and by the time this comes out, the SCSs will have the SCSs in stock um, as well in limited quantities. Um, the SCS optic is a direct mount to a Glock MOS system. You use no interface plate needed. Um, and also no need for higher iron sights. You still want to replace your crappy Glock dovetail protectors um, with some real sights, but, but standard height sights will work now with the SCSs, um, and they're coming out with a smaller version for uh, the thin guns, for the 48s, 43Xs, MOSs, etc. Um, so there's some options coming down the road that definitely sleeken the... That's not, I just made a word up, sleeken. They sleeken that... That sounds like something from uh, Harry Potter. Sleeken, yeah. sleeken, slithering. So anyway, they make it more sleek. That's what they do. That's what they, they do. make them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so there's some dot up. That, that, that world's changing too. There's there's new stuff coming down the pike all the time. Um, some optics that didn't suck two years ago are getting better. Um, some brands that didn't suck two years ago are getting better kind of thing. Um, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of good options. So stop yeah. in and talk to us about that for sure. Um, triggers? Triggers. triggers. Uh, Shoot yeah. the shit out of your gun before you do anything with your trigger. If, if you have a Gen 3 or a Gen 4 Glock and you haven't shot 2,000 rounds through it, go do that first. Yep. And then think about upgrading your trigger because mm -hmm. in the process of shooting those 2,000 rounds, you've probably made your trigger really good. Yeah. Yeah, immeasurably better than it was new. Um, Glock triggers have a back wall. Um, that's not a bad thing. Learn how to shoot with the back wall. Glock triggers have a crap ton of over-travel. That sucks. Um, learn how to live with it. Learn how to work with it. It'll make you a better shooter when you do... Um, upgrade your trigger to something new or something better. Uh, for the Gen 3 guns, even the Gen 4 guns, uh, the Apex triggers, uh, Apex tactical stuff, are, are they're solid. Um, stick with their more duty setup. You don't need to go lighter springs. You don't need to change out your uh, striker spring. You probably don't need to change out your your plunger spring either. Um, just changing out the trigger bar and the, and the disconnector uh, will make a big, big, big difference in how smooth things are. Uh, and there's less failure point by just staying with those. Um, there's a lot of other good brands out there. I, I, I'm not even going to try and name them um, because I don't because there's at different times some have sucked that are now really good. So uh, I, the only other one I can think of, uh, I hear guys talk about Overwatch. I've never run one. I don't know anything about them. I, I know the Apexes work. It's a metal shoe. They do what they're supposed to do. So yeah. that's that's the one I recommend for sure. Um, but that's easy with triggers. Is it necessary? Nope. But will a better trigger change your performance? It could, absolutely, if your fundamentals are already there. The trigger is the one thing where I would say, it, you know, on a defensive gun, only change one piece as part at a time in general, but especially with a trigger. Um, if you're going to put a new trigger bar and shoe in as one as a unitized piece, great. Go out and beat the snot off it. Make sure it's going to work in your gun and not going to do anything crazy. Um, then go ahead and change out your connector once you've got that down and everything's working well. So. Um, or understand that if one of the other craps on you, figure it, you get it figured out on your own. So no, no big deal there. Um, holsters, good holsters. Yeah, very important. Yeah, and I again, leather Kydex. I don't care. Um, I don't care where you carry. I don't care how you carry. Whatever. Get you know, get a good holster. Um, there's too many good options out there from a lot of different companies. Um, here locally, you know, for outside the waistband holsters, we do um, a number of options from Raven Concealment System. Um, and their parent line, uh, great, tight-fitting, tuckable, good retention, keeps the gun up against you where you want it. Right, and they're ambi. You can change them right hand to left hand in just a few minutes. Um, they're available for most, a lot of modern defensive tools that you're likely to be carrying. Um, 
and if you want to go inside the waistband, whether it's strong side or appendix, the stuff from Sidearm Solutions, um, Jed does a great job of making a, a holster that has great retention, especially when you get into things like putting a light on the gun. If you're running a Glock with a TLR7 or an X300, well, probably not an X300, TLR7, um, one of the subs, the flex or whatever, those different, uh, those different combinations, the holsters that he makes, um, the retention is on the light to some extent, and that's part of the game. Uh, but it's not the retention. It, everything's just right with this holsters. Um, how they ride, how you can adjust them, etc. Just seems to do what it's supposed to do. We're a big fan of those. Again, yeah. there are a ton of other brand names of really good holsters out there. Um, the, if you're the, running an X300 Ultra from Surefire, yep. Taylor One HL on a double stack gun, um, the Bleedman Gotham yep. is the way to go for appendix. Absolutely. When you pick up the holster, um, it, it it is a big holster because you're putting a big light on a big gun in general. Um, but you, as far as that combination, I mean, I tried, I don't even know how many different options I tried over the years for that. Um, but with the big light, if that's your duty rig and that's your duty setup and you want to transition to that for concealed carry, the Gotham as an appendix holster is a phenomenal way to go. It's as comfortable as you're going to get with anything I've found anyway. And that's with trying literally dozen, a dozen or more different holsters. So definitely give that a shot. Um, along with holsters. The belt. The belt. Super important. Yep, good belt. Um, we obviously we like Volan Gearworks. Um, we sell some of the some of the belts uh, from the guys at Magpul. They do some leather for our dressier belts. For if you can't wear a tactical belt, um, you know, then their leather belts are married to um, a piece of synthetic that doesn't stretch. It doesn't twist a whole lot. Gives the belt some rigidity, but it still looked good enough to wear with dress slacks. Um, you know. If you're wearing a bespoke suit and handmade shoes, then you're probably going somewhere else. But otherwise, if it's just for dress clothes or work or whatever, great option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a final thing to throw out with that mag pouches. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and preach to you about if you carry a semi-auto weapon, you should carry a spare mag. Um, that's that's up to you in a concealed carry environment. Uh, from a law enforcement perspective or a serious use perspective, if you're doing EP work, LE work, you're you're a soldier, whatever, then spare mags are an absolute no-brainer. Having a good way to carry them. Um, if you want to carry them uh, uh, concealed, mag pouches get to be a whole different conversation. And we have options, again, there from Bolitaman. Um, the, the, uh, it's a horizontal mag pouch. I don't know if they still call it the Fat Boy or whatever. The Uber the, CC. The Uber CC, there we go. Um, is a phenom that's, that's what I carry every day. Um, and I carry a full-size Glock and then a slightly larger mag. Um, primarily because in our work environment, if somebody's stupid enough to come in here, I want to have all the bullets. Um, having said that, when I go to a not-at-work concealed carry where I'm jocking down a little bit, um, I, I still generally carry a spare mag because I keep the belt pouch, I keep that pouch on the belt all the time and don't take it off of it, so why not shove an extra mag in it? Um, and it conceals well enough, it, it's really not an inconvenience, it's not difficult, it's not, yeah. it just, it's, it's simple and it works, so... And that's probably about the best thing you can say about a mag pouch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the big thing with the mag pouches is when you're out at the range training, Yep. Um, they do really make a difference um, teaching, especially new shooters. Yeah. If you have an extra mag pouch or two, uh, hook your, your friends up. Um, it gives them a lot more confidence when they it comes time to reload the gun, Yeah. which they will inevitably need to do. Um, they're not trying to dig through a pocket and yeah. then trying to figure out how to orient the bullets. Yep. Because um, then they, they feel dumb. You look dumb. Yeah. Everybody has their feelings hurt, and nobody has fun for 30 seconds. Absolutely. And, and the, it, 
th th that's a huge part of bringing somebody new into this is making them comfortable on the range and comfortable means not necessarily feeling like this is a, a difficult or a pain in the ass kind of thing to do. Uh, the other thing is we, you know, if you're a professional end user and you're still shoving your mag in your back pocket, um, we need to have a conversation. Um, belly button lint, pocket lint, bubble gum, um, all Twitches. different kinds of crap have shown up inside of magazines um, in use by professional end users. Uh, there are dudes who have gone, you know, somewhere to qual or something like that, and and literally had a mag with freaking bubble gum in it and shit like that. Um, and the, and and I'm not saying that person's like an idiot in general, but they screwed up that one pretty bad. Um, indexing the mag, stuff like that. There are some pocket carry devices out there. Uh, there's some clip ones that are magnetic and clippy, and and I know a bunch of dudes who rock those and very very well something to train with and learn. It's not it's not right, wrong, or anything else. It's just different. Learn how to use it. Um, there's some videos of some local dudes who can absolutely freaking burn it down with that system. Um, the other option, um, the number of companies make inside the pocket devices, whether they're leather or something else, that, that orient the magazine the way you want it. So you, when you reach into your pocket, you can grab the mag, and they also keep it from printing. Um, you know, those are all good devices to take a look at, too. They're out there. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as mag packages go, in addition to the ones from Bowiedemann, uh, we keep stuff from Saturn Solutions in stock. Yep. Um, Blue Force Gear has some really low low profile. Yeah. Um, cloth textile. Cloth textile, um, stretchy to kind of work with any kind of mag you can put into. They, they fall under the ten speed or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. And then um, some stuff too from HRT Tactical yep. and from HSGI with the tacos. Yes. Yeah, and tacos are brilliant as well. Um, super modular can go a lot of different places. Um, you know, that's, that's a nice option. So depending on what you want to do with it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, like I said, not, not the way, a way, some different ways to do things. Some things you might consider upgrading if you're still doing running gear from 20 years ago. Um, you know, if you decided to get back into it cause the world got weird. Um, it's now is now is the time. There is no time like the future. Uh, oh, wait a minute. The future is now. So yeah, yeah absolutely. So cool. Uh, yeah. On that note, uh, follow us along on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. While the commie bastards at Meta let us stick around uh, on Facebook, search for Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, search for Cap City Outfitters 2. Uh, on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. We will add you to the newsletter list. Uh, we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, we're open 10 to 5 Tuesday through Friday and then 10 to 3 on Saturdays, and we look forward to seeing you soon.